I'm going to start off with a legend that is intended to make you chuckle. I tested it on Joel this morning, and he said, you're going to need to tell them they're allowed to laugh, okay? So telling you that now. All right, so there is this legend of a college professor um, who visited the Fiji Islands, and he was agnostic, meaning he didn't have, he believed that God uh, maybe created the world, but then was hands off. And so he was talking to an elderly chief, and he was critical, he was condescending, and he said, uh, you are a great leader, but it's really a pity that you've been taken in by those foreign mis- missionaries. They only want to get rich by you. They have agendas. No one actually believes the Bible anymore. Uh, people are tired of this exaggerated story of Christ dying on a cross for our sins. That never happened. People know better now. Um, I'm sorry you've been so foolish as to accept their story. And the old chief was quick to answer. And he said, do you see that rock over there? professor said, yes. He said, do you see that furnace next to the rock? And the professor said, yes. And he said, that's where we smashed the heads of our victims and formally roasted the bodies of our enemies. And if it hadn't been for those good missionaries and the love of Jesus, we would be having you for supper. <laughs> and the professor was quiet after that. <laughs> so we are starting our 2019 year um, talking about prayer And so I love what happened this morning during worship and the time that we had to pray for one another. Our series is called Ask. Um, We're going to ask God to do some bold prayers in our lives. Last week we looked at Search Me. This week is Send Me. Uh, Then we'll look at Stretch Me, Lead Me, and Use Me. Um, We created this 35-day prayer journal for you. If you have it, would you just get it out and uh, if you don't, I hope it's like somewhere because you're using it. <laughs> if you didn't get one, there's lots at the doors on the way in or the way out. But the idea of this journal is that every day of the week after I preached to you this message about sending me, that you would pray something in each block of the week uh, and, and each day, Monday through Sunday, and then you would go on to the next week. Today, I hope to give you some even more content or things you can take little notes on of how to pray Um, the word send me. How many of you used it at least once this week? I'll ask like a safe question. Look at that. Give these guys a round of applause. Good work. All right. Oh, a louder one. Good. We're thankful. Okay. Good. So pick one of these up. Use it this week. I think it'll really help us. I really believe that if you pray every day for 35 days, even for a second, even for a moment, that you are going to be different, that your spiritual life is going to be different, that your year is going to start out different. And so I'm very excited for God to show us uh, what he can do when we ask. Um, our goal is to really engage in prayer. So we're going to focus today on praying a prayer of availability. I'm praying a prayer of availability. Now, um, often we pray uh, to God and we ask him things, right? Um, we pray, God, would you heal my grandma? Uh, would you help me get into that school? Would you um, help me get a job that pays enough? Would you, would you give me direction about a decision? And we pray for things. And that's absolutely and completely, we should continue to do that. You should continue to pray for the things. God says, come to him with the things that you need. But partnered with these prayers, in addition to these prayers, for an equal amount of time as we are praying, instead of praying, God, would you do this for me? What if we prayed, God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do for you? God, I'm your servant. I want to be available for whatever you you call me to do. And when is the last time that we actually prayed, 
a prayer of availability. Now, I want to tell you this prayer comes with a warning label. When you pray it, God will answer you. (laughs) God will answer you. He will tell you. He may reveal a calling in your life that you never even expected before. He, He may lead you to stay somewhere where you wanted to leave. Or he may lead you to leave somewhere that you wanted to stay. He may ask you uh, to to serve in a way that takes sacrifice. He he may ask you to give financially in a way that forces your lifestyle to change. He may ask you to give up a hobby or a habit that is taking focus away from your spiritual life. He might change you from being a dog person to a cat person. I mean, it could happen. Small chance, but it could happen. When you pray a prayer of availability, you will encounter God in a whole new way. So all throughout scripture, we see that God sends people. He prompts people. He he leads them to say something or go somewhere. He gives them specific assignments at specific times. And he uses us to accomplish his work on earth. He uses us. That's his entire plan. And so our mission statement here at Erie First is to love God and his people, build Jesus-centered lives, and send spirit-led disciples. Can you just say the word send? All right, send. Send spirit-led disciples. And we know that God sends people, and as a church, we want to be available for God to send us. So in the scripture, we see people had varying responses when God called and sent them. And Craig Rochelle is the pastor from Life Church, and he, he described it this way, and I just thought it was so good. He, let's start with Jonah, okay, the, in the book of Jonah. So Jonah... I'm sorry, the character of Jonah. He responds to God's call by saying, here I am, and I'm not going. (laughs) That's his response. Let's read Jonah 1, 1 through 3 together. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. He gives them a very specific call, specific uh, uh, assignment. And verse 3 says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. And he headed for Tarshish, and he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah literally ran away from God and where God wanted him to go. He found a ship, and he sailed as far away as he could go. As if God wouldn't be able to find you on the planet if you go to Tarshish. Here I am, but I am not going. Here I am, but I am not going. And I think some of us can relate. I wonder how many times you have felt prompted to do something. You have had a dream, a passion, a vision for some time. Maybe God has been putting in your heart for a lot of years. Maybe God's been asking you to serve somewhere. He's been asking you to make a relationship right. It's that same person you run into Walmart every single time. You think that's a coincidence? Come on. Can't go to Tarshish, okay? Just bring that right up. Maybe he's asking you to change the way you treat your spouse or your children. Maybe God is saying you need to go on a short-term missions trip or you need to give significantly for a cause or you need to love your neighbor who's having a hard time. And in one way or another, you have said to the Lord, here I am, but I am not going. I heard a pastor say once, stop talking yourself out of things God is calling you to do. So the second example I want to look at is Moses. 
Now in Exodus 3, if you remember his story, we see God trying to get Moses' attention with a burning bush. And so there's this very strange phenomena happening. Moses goes over. He says this bush is burning, but it's not burning up. And as he approaches the bush, God um, calls Moses from the bush. And we see the process of God sending Moses uh, through all of Exodus 3 and 4. So I want to just read to you Exodus 4, 10 through 13. And in it, we'll see uh, Moses' response to God's call. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord, but please send someone else. So Jonah, here I am, I'm not going, and now we have Moses, here I am, send someone else. (laughs) Moses, man, he wrestled with his insecurity. He wrestled with overthinking. You don't have to raise your hand outwardly, but if that's you, would you just go, "Mm mm-hmm, right, this is me. He questioned if he was good enough, if he had enough talent. He doubted anyone would trust him, much less follow him. He, he didn't think he was the right person for the job. He saw more potential in his brother or really anyone else that he could think of than himself. And there are some of you in this room and God is calling you to an assignment that feels too big for you. It feels too difficult. It feels too complicated. It feels too hard. And you are literally wishing God would just send someone else. Maybe you've even had that conversation with the Lord, but God himself, the creator of the universe, repeatedly in scripture, and Moses is no different, tells these stories over and over about men and women who are the underdogs, the people you would never expect for God to call, and he uses their stories and he uses their messy lives to make God's name great. That's the story of the Bible. Over and over and over. And when you feel like the underdog, let me remind you, let God remind you, like he reminded Moses, he is far less intimidated by your insecurities and limitations than you are. Far less intimidated. Because our confidence is in his faithfulness. It has nothing to do with us or our ability. So Jonah, here I am, I'm not going. Moses, here I am, send somebody else, all right? So let's third get to Isaiah. Isaiah spot on, Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. So how do our hearts get to be like this? How how do we acquire the, the attitude and the outlook of Isaiah? What needs to happen to set us up so that our heart cries this, God, here I am, send me. I want to look at the passage as a whole, Isaiah 6 as a whole, to just bring some uh, answers to these questions. So let's read Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. Excuse me. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, And with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So what we see here in these first four verses, before Isaiah is able to say, send me, 
we see that Isaiah had a genuine experience with the presence of God. He has this vision. He sees the Lord with a, with a long robe. He sees angels. He sees this vision of the angels worshiping and, and the doorposts shaking and this temple filled with smoke. And, and he gets right up in this, the presence of God. He has this experience with God. And why is it maybe that you're not as available to God as you should be? Maybe it's because you haven't sought after him in a while. Maybe it's because your schedule is keeping you too busy or you're distracted or you're unintentional. Maybe you haven't had a genuine experience in the presence of God in a really long time. Maybe ever. And and what God is saying is that when Isaiah sits in the presence of God and experiences the glory of God, he's completely transformed. It changed his prayer to here I am, send me. It changed his prayer. I want to invite my friend Carolyn up here this morning, and uh, I think the microphone there is on the front, if you can give that to her. But a few months ago, uh, Carolyn had an encounter with the presence of God that changed uh, truly the trajectory of her path, Um, and it just led her to pray this prayer, um, here I am, send me. And I've had a front row seat to all of this. And so I just want her to share, I asked her if she would just share this morning um, a little bit about her journey in the last year, I guess, or so. Hi, um, my name is Carolyn. So just a little bit of a backstory. Um, You know, I go to Mercyhurst University. I'm a student there. And uh, last year, I, you know, Erie is great, but I wanted to get out of Erie for a little bit. So I decided to study abroad. Um, I decided to go with a program called Semester at Sea. And it was a really cool program. I basically took college classes on a ship And I studied while we were at sea, and then when we were docked on land, I was able to uh, explore and travel throughout that country. And so it was a really, really amazing experience. Um, But with seeing so much of the world, I mean, we went, you know, throughout Europe and Africa and Asia. We literally went around the world. Um, But seeing so much of the world, I also saw some really hard, really difficult, challenging, cruel, and unjust things. Um, and after four months of being gone, I got back and I was confused and I was trying to sort through my feelings and figure things out. And I grew really angry and mad with God. I was mad for letting these things happen in this world that he created. And I was just so bitter towards him. Um, so it was a couple weeks of sorting through my faith, figuring my feelings out, and uh, I went to bed one night. I got ready. I, I laid down in bed, um, and I had one of those, like, check your privilege moments where I just thought to myself, how fortunate am I to have this big, comfortable bed to lay down in and go to sleep every single night? And uh, as I was thinking those things, I started seeing these visions, and I felt like I was trans, like I was just moved out of my bed. I wasn't, I wasn't there anymore. And I saw these visions that felt so real and, and I felt everything. And, you know, I, I saw this woman who I had met in Ghana who shared her tiny little bed with her five or six children every single night. I saw this man who I met in India who was sleeping on a pile of garbage at night. And, you know, it was just, it flashed from person to person, place to place. And, I can't explain it, but my, my heart went out to these people and it felt like 
my heart was being shattered and ripped from my chest and I had never felt so much pain and so much heartbreak in a single moment. And I knew, I knew that was God. He was telling me that this isn't what I envisioned for my children. And you know, something that Nicole had said came back to me in that moment. She said, if your heart goes out and breaks for these, these hurting people, imagine how God feels about his children who are suffering. And uh, it was just, it was in that moment where I just thought to myself, like, this, this life isn't mine. I will go wherever he wants me to go. I will do whatever he wants me to do because I am his. So just, so send me. Thank you, Carolyn. Oh, Can you take that back? I remember that moment when Carolyn was in my office telling me how mad at God she was. <laughs> And I thought, oh, Jesus, what are we going to do about this one? And then watching how she just encountered this, the living God who just showed her that his heart was breaking even harder than hers ever could. And in that moment, she saw that God would use her to fix some of these things, that God could send her, that she was part of the solution and so I'm excited. She didn't get to share this, but she's going to graduate here soon and trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life and thinking about missions and all these different things that what she, she can do to have the most impact. And so God's still writing Carolyn's story, and I'm so thankful for that. So Isaiah 6 continues, and it says, uh, this is still Isaiah speaking. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Kind of similar to what Carolyn just shared for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King and the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken the tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And so we need to have this genuine experience of the presence of God, but also we need to understand the depths of God's grace for us. So when Isaiah saw the goodness of God, the glory of God, he realized how unclean he was. He like had this moment of this real understanding of his own sin, his own shortcomings. In fact, one version of the Bible reads it like this. Um, Isaiah came face to face with God and he said, I'm done, I'm nothing, I'm a sinner, I have nothing to offer. He's holy, I'm not. He's righteous, I'm unrighteous. He's full of glory, I am full of sin. And Isaiah cries out to God, woe is me. Like he's saying, I know that a sinful man cannot survive in God's presence. And he senses his unworthiness. But ironically, this sense of his unworthiness is exactly what qualifies him for the, the high office in which the Lord calls him to serve. Like that is the moment of brokenness that God needed to see so that he could use Isaiah in such a powerful way. And the scripture says the seraphim, the angel, flies down with a hot coal in his hand, touches Isaiah's lips, now, this isn't implying that Isaiah had a foul mouth and had to clean up his language. That's not where his sin uh, was. But Jesus said in the Gospels later, but the things that come out of my mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. So Isaiah's heart was unclean, so his lips were as well. So that's what that means in that moment. And so when the coal touches Isaiah's mouth, his guilt is taken away, the scripture says. His sin is atoned for. And now Isaiah can worship and serve the Lord guiltless, grace-filled, clean, brand new. And with one touch from the goodness of God, his sins are forgiven and completely atoned for. And this is the same way we are saved. 
Same way in the New, the, the new Testament, the New Covenant, that one touch from Jesus, one moment of repentance that leads us to faith. Your lying lips are forgiven. Your lustful attitudes are forgiven. Your self-centered thoughts are forgiven. Your, your, your every little secret you've never told anyone before, but God knows all of them forgiven as if they have never happened. The scripture says when you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I want you to see something important here. Isaiah did nothing to earn the touch from the seraphim. In fact, he just laid there kind of broken. He, he didn't do anything. He, he just received the atonement. He just received the salvation. He didn't say, God, send me, and then God cleansed him from his sins. Do you see that? This wasn't a reward for Isaiah being available. This wasn't something he could work himself into. And that's the same way that we are saved. We don't have to earn it. We simply have to receive it. And then after we are cleansed and free and grace-filled, God gives us this ability to pray this incredible prayer, God, send me. God, send me. But only then. And when you pray that prayer, some of you think that God is going to make you sell everything and you're going to have to go be a missionary in Africa somewhere and never use a real toilet again for as long as you live. And you know what? That might happen. He may call you to be a missionary to Africa because he loves those people so much. And if you say, God send me, you, you are opening yourself up to this life full of purpose and this life full of what he wants going after the people he loves. When you pray, God send me, he might call you to, to lead a group. He might call you to, to stop and listen to someone who is hurting. He, he might call you to buy lunch for a single mom and her kids. He might ask you to love on a foster kid for a week long in the summer. Take your vacation. He might ask you to help women who can't get out of sexual abuse because they don't have the resources. He, he might ask you to work with teenagers in our youth group and Pastor Michael. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke, but you guys didn't. <laughs> he might ask you to help someone's house that got destroyed by a flood or a tornado that's sitting hopeless right now because they don't know what they're going to do. He might send you to Haiti. He might send you to GE. I don't know. He might break your heart for kids in Cambodia who are abandoned or adults in Egypt who don't have a Bible translated to their language. He may send you to a campus like these anointed Kyle students to share the message of hope that only Jesus can bring to the darkest, hardest moments of their life. Some of those students are walking on to campus tomorrow and they think they're coming for biology but God's got their number <laughs> God's ready to shake their lives into a purpose and a calling and we're so proud of you guys for what you do every day in and out on that campus I don't know where he's going to send you but I know that when we experience the presence of God and we understand the depth of his grace and when we start to say, God, here I am, send me, I'm yours, anytime, anywhere, 
that he's going to do something bigger and better and more worth spending our lives on than we could ever come up with ourselves. Some people are going to say, God, here I am, I'm not going. (laughs) Some people are going to say, God, here I am, but please send somebody else. But I am praying that we are a church who day after day, year after year, we say, God, here we are, send us. Send us when it's complicated. Send us when it's hard. Send us when we're not sure how we're going to get out of this mess. But God, send us because we've experienced your presence. We understand your deep grace. And so we give you back every minute of our lives. Last year in 2018, uh, Erie First supported about 20 missionaries monthly uh, who were doing work around the globe. And we raised um, $15,000 to send uh, to missions projects locally, nationally, and internationally. We sent a team to Zanzibar, Africa. We sent two, uh, two uh, national teams to Louisiana and to Texas for disaster relief. And at the banquet, we're going to even get more uh, updates on these projects. But God was so good, and we were able to do a lot for the kingdom. But this year in 2019, we are excited to continue supporting these missionaries. We're going to add more to the list. And I believe that we can increase our missions projects giving to $25,000 this year. You're supposed to clap right now, actually. Applause. So I want you to look at this if you got one. If you didn't, you can have one on the way out. But I'm going to talk about this for just a minute. I believe that as a church that prays boldly, God send me, even if we can't go personally, we can advance the kingdom of God locally and nationally and around the world, that this snowy little town of Erie, Pennsylvania can do something significant in the kingdom of God. That by giving generously, we can send the gospel to places of the world and affect people that we may never meet until we get to heaven. But these aren't just nameless people. These aren't just faceless people. These are moms and these are dads and daughters and sons and grandparents and leaders. These are, these are students that parents are sending to campus just on a wing and a prayer. God, please let them be okay. And, and here we're going to be investing in these communities. And, and, and they are valuable and they are known to the living God. And so because they're God's people, they're our people. Because they're God's people, they're our people. And so when we give and we are able to send either our teams or other people, God is advancing his kingdom through us. And so for 2019, these are the missions projects we're going to work towards as a family, as a church family. I want you to look at your bulletin. I'm just going to briefly go over them. We'll talk more about this at the lunch as well. But um, we're going to give $7,000 to the Edinburgh Kyle Building Project in, in a turn of miraculous events that Joel will share with you um, here in the coming weeks. Edinburgh Kyle was able to purchase a half an acre of land that is right across the street from campus. I mean, you can throw a stone and it's right there. And their heart is to build a space for students to worship, to be discipled, to live in a community that is Christ-centered. And this building will serve the thousands of students who attend Edinburgh University each year. I'm believing that with that investment, God is going to help disciple and raise up leaders in our own community who are going to serve the church, who are going to serve the world. Um, the next one is track. We're going to give $1,800 to track as a church we've supported. And so many of you know about Royal Family Camp um, every summer. 
Well, this track program is endorsed by Rural Family. They're an extension of it. Uh, and so teenagers um, from the foster care system, Rural Family only goes up to a certain age. And so the next level of, of age, teenagers will go to this weekend camp where they'll hear the gospel and they will get loved on. And so these are teenagers from our very own community in the foster care system. The next one is $2,400 to the Philly Dream Center. This is an Assemblies of God organization. They work with women in the city of Philadelphia, uh, which is a huge hub for human trafficking. Uh, they, they rescue them. They deal with poverty and neglect of children. And we will have the opportunity to go to the Philly Dream Center this summer on the mission trip and see how our support is impacting that community. Uh, the next one is $2,500 to the disaster relief teams. Um, as a church, we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We can help people rebuild after natural disasters in our country. And in fact, the first trip is in late February to Mississippi. We still need some helpers on that um, trip in a community recovering from a tornado. And so you can sign up for this trip or any future trips. You can be hands-on in this project. We'd like to send three teams of people this year in 2019 to help rebuild homes and lives. The next one is the Haiti team. In 2018, we invested in Haiti, and this year we want to make just even bigger splash. And so we're gonna send a missions team in October to serve kids and families in poverty there. Uh, the project money will help, the $6,500 project money will help with food, running programs, medical supplies for the people of that country. We'll leave all of that there, investing in the missionaries that are already working. Next is $4,000 to the Cambodia project. Um, this project will reach people in Cambodia who need to hear the gospel. Cambodia is uh, impoverished. It has um, women stuck in, in, it's a bad government, so there's just all these things happening. They, we're going to put uh, VBSs there to help feed, uh, reach the children, feeding programs in this impoverished country. We're going to send 23 people on a team in May to Cambodia. 23 people are going to go to Cambodia, already set in May. Um, to reach that community. And then lastly, we're going to give $1,000 to, uh, we're connected with a missionary team in Egypt who has the need for Arabic, uh, Arabic language resources and scriptures to give away. And so with this project money, they'll be able to buy what they need to further the kingdom there. There'll be boots on the ground in that community giving away the gospel. And so the total is $25,000 toward the work of God this year. And, and I'm just so excited I'm so excited because I really believe that God is gonna do something so significant through these projects and through the missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. And I believe that the reach, the hand extended, as we say, God, would you send us, that he's gonna use us. He's gonna sometimes tell us to go. He's gonna sometimes tell us to give. He's gonna sometimes tell us to pray, but he's, he's gonna ask us to, to do something radical and sacrificial. So today, um, actually, the ushers are going to come. We're going to take our first offering to put toward these projects. Any week that you come to church, you can invest in these projects just on the envelope. Uh, there's a Kingdom Builders line. You can just mark it. Um, but here's, here, here's what I'd like to say today. I'm going to boldly ask that 100% of our congregation participate in the sending. And, and I don't have any fear of asking you that because that's what the scripture says. The scripture challenges us to not say, here I am, I'm not going, I'm not giving, I'm not praying, or here I am, please send someone else, someone who has more money or more time or more resources. 
The scripture challenges us to say, God, send me. Now you may not be prepared to give today and that's okay, we understand that. But in the months to come this year, I'm asking you to pray this big prayer that Isaiah prayed. Ask God what you can give. It's not about equal gifts, it's about equal sacrifice. And I'm gonna challenge 100% of us, everybody to give something towards sending the mission of God, the kingdom work of God. And we'll keep you updated on the progress as the giving comes in. Jesus, I thank you so much, um, God, that you have called us, Lord, that, that you have called us to just lay our lives down before you, Lord, that you bought us with a, with a price, God, the price of your son, the shed blood of Jesus. And God, because of that, we can be free to be your servants. We can be free to be generous. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray, Father God, that um, as we give today, that we could give generously. Father, as we pray this prayer, God, send me, that you would shift things in our heart, Lord, that we would sense your presence. God, I pray over each of these projects, Lord, and I ask, Lord God, that you would do something significant, that you would do something miraculous. God, that you would do something in these people's lives that you love. God, that each of these projects represents hundreds, sometimes thousands of people behind them. And God, as, as you have told us before, on the other side of our yes is thousands of people just waiting for us to be obedient so that you can work and do something in their lives. God, we love you. I thank you for these people. I thank you for this church. God, that gives sacrificially and that wants to see your kingdom come. And it's in your strong name I pray. 